Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Sometimes I think you're involved with bad things. Are you? Oh, my. Beneath a rugged exterior, Larry Sheely was a nice guy. Are you? You know me, I'm gonna be fine. Putting on a good show. Oh, that's professional. He's just been given his big break. There's a certain witness with psychological defects. And I want him held on to. But he's about to get. He's kidding, he's kidding. An even bigger surprise. Hello. Salute. Oliver Trinke was on his way to the top till everything changed. Daddy really misses your mommy, kid. I miss it too, especially right now. Oh, shit. Someone please shut that girl up. You better shut up! Hello, Patreon pals, and welcome along to a hellscape you created by your own divine intervention. My name is Tim Bat, a changed man. And I'm Guy Montgomery, uh, more or less the same. Uh, Tim, good morning. Good morning. Describe yourself to me. Physically, I, am I, want, I want you to work from the inside out. I want a vague overview on the state of your internal organs all the way up to the scruff on your chin and uh, maybe the state of your eyes and mouth. You know how um, when you eat too much, like, or you have too much beer and you, you just you feel like there's a lot of wheat in your system and it's not a good feeling? You feel heavy mm. and uh, sort of persistently nauseated and just not, not tippy-top. Um, that's how I would describe my guts. Uh, just a small amount of dull pain in my temples, but not too intense. Mouth uh, run amuck, eyes dry and tired and scratchy. Hair on my chinny chin chin, uh, unkempt, and I'm currently sitting in a dressing gown. Do you I'm know not in the best way? From the first thing you said, I knew for sure that you were in a dressing gown. There was just no yeah. possible way you could be in anything else. No getting around it. Isn't that like interesting? Dressing gown. I love knowing uh, that. I love the intimacy between us that I knew that just from the just from the sound of your voice, I thought Tim's in a dressing gown right now. He is. A thin you... piece of cloth separating, you know, yourself from Adam. This one's pretty thick, actually. 
It's pretty. It's a thick. Is it sort of? It's kind of felty, right? Like those blankets yeah. you put on top of your bed. There's that sort of mm. material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the one because it's been some time. Uh, it's been. Uh, I could probably give you the exact hours. Eight's twelve, and another fucking. It's been about sixteen hours since I completed the mission. Um, the mission of watching Jersey Girl and Gigli back to back. Did you do it back to back, by the way, guy, or did you separate them off? I did it back to back, but there are some details surrounding my uh, screening which I feel you oh, know, run me through irrelevant for context, and then we can get into yours because I think you you did it. You know, you were your uh, pretty straight dick and vagina, meat and potatoes. Yeah, straight down the line. Yeah, um, I. I, due to scheduling conflicts, had to undertake the entire thing this morning. So I had a 5.30 a.m. call time. Oh. Um, and How was set? <laughs> uh, well, set was, set was not enthusiastic. You know, you know, I was looking around the place. There were a lot of dead and terrified eyes looking back at me. Um, you poor but, bastard. Uh, I tried to watch Jersey Girl first. Yeah. But uh, it was too early and time was quite precious and I, I could not find a means of watching it from my computer. Uh-huh. Um, right. I couldn't rent it because... Uh, <laughs> it's so hard to find, eh? It was, I had the same issue. It's so it was hard infuriating. to find. I, I turned on a VPN and rifled through like a million different uh, Netflix countries. Jersey yeah. Girl, as it turns out, not available in India, Argentina, <laughs> Canada, Australia, New Zealand or America. Um, and then, yeah, YouTube and Amazon wouldn't let me rent it because I didn't have an American credit card. card. It's a real, man, we walked the same path. Uh, so I thought, well, I don't have the time to, you know, troubleshoot this now. So I'm actually going to start with Gili, yeah. uh, which is available on Indian Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Not however in America. Um, (laughs) of course. Yeah. And so I did that, and then afterwards I I ran into exactly the same brick wall I had before with Jersey mm. Girl. So I found a bootleg sort of uh, chaptered copy on YouTube for free oh, that no. gives you about 45 minutes of the movie, uh, and then the uploader, for whatever reason, decided it was not worth the trouble, so stopped uploading the movie after 45 <laughs> minutes, which means I pieced together the rest of the film from the movie clip. There were 12 movie clips. What the fuck, <laughs> man? That they had uh, withdrawn and put up. Um, and I feel like I got... I, I. It was a very frustrating screening experience. This um, is some I've- sloppy fucking work, Montgomery. I feel like I got the thrust of the film. No way, man. That's fucked. Oh, Unbelievable. Not, not for I want feel of very tr- alone. I feel so alone oh, right now. I was afraid of this. I I I really gave it quite a lot of time and effort. Um and I just couldn't crack it. And then by the time that YouTube had told me I, I well, by the time that the YouTube series I was watching uh deferred to like the the premium sort of legitimate clips that have been put up by some channel called movie clip or whatever. Uh, it was just too, it was it, the, the, the task was gargantuan. So yeah, you, you've probably seen about 45 minutes of uh, Jersey girl that I have not. I'm so dark on this. I would prefer if you had of like watch neither and just went, 
What a great goof on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen nothing. <laughs> I I would also prefer that, funnily enough. Yeah. So so let me get this straight. You did did you what did you see of Jersey Girl? I saw what did I see? I saw all the way up to um What have you watched all of either movie? Yeah, I saw all of Gili. That was the first oh, you thing saw I all of Gili. Okay, yeah. okay, cool, 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 cool. Gili cool. was no worries. Uh, Man, and, but Gili is a worry, though. Yeah, yeah. Gili of both the movies felt less like a movie. Jersey yeah, Girl, definitely. to me, felt like a sort of uh, relatively poorly executed romantic comedy. Gili, should, we, should we get into that? Let's, let's separate them out. As a, let's, let's dig in. Let us okay. dig in. I watched Jersey Girl first, and I think that that was definitely the correct um, decision. And I I didn't mind it, eh? Like it was it was it was pretty fine. Um, there's some interesting bits, for example, the fact that from memory this this film was very heavily advertised, marketed on the fact that Jennifer Lopez is in it, and she dies in minute nine. <laughs> Of the film, yeah, I f- I feel like uh, I remember some sort of uh, uproar, frustration at that h- h- being the case. Uh, at the just time. in the, my peripheral memory of the gossip news cycle, yeah, Benefit were huge, obviously, mm. uh, and I sort of consumed quite a lot of gossip magazines around then, and I think people were cross that she she was uh, written out so quickly. Um, but I, I am also inclined to agree with you. You know, the Jersey Girl presented as like. There's nothing original happening in it, but it was all sort of relatively competently put together. Yeah, it was all fine. So what it is, is it's a story about uh, Ben Affleck is a music publicist who conf- they kind of they kind of contradict themselves because they say that he's got his own, he had his own company by 27 with 100 people working under him. But then later they kept referring to the firm that he worked for. So I don't know what the fuck's going on there. Maybe he's got his own little sub-branch of the of the, the wider firm. Anyways, very successful at a very young age. And then uh, Jennifer Lopez is a literary agent, I think. Yeah. Uh, or an editor, an editor. She's a book editor. And um, they get together, fall in love, have a baby. Jennifer Lopez dies at childbirth. She's an aneurysm. Very sad. Yeah. yeah. It really was quite sad. And then... Um, so Ben Affleck has to move back in. He's in New York City. He's in the big smoke, like kicking asses and taking names. So he moves back to live with his dad, who is George Carlin, which yeah. was just like, I was shocked. It was so have you, good to see him. Have you dug in to find how exactly? I mean, Kevin Smith is a, I mean, he's, I think he's quite divisive now, but uh, relatively well-respected comedy director. Is Kevin Smith director. a bad man? No, but he's just, I think he's like quite an eccentric and he, he's sort of, you know, he has, he's a rabble rouser. I don't think he has much time yeah. for the system, if you know what I mean. But uh, that does remind me of a little known up and coming comedian called one George Carlin, you know, in his heyday. Right. Mm. But yeah, I, I was very surprised to see George Carlin pop up um, and quite relieved, to be honest. Yeah. Having, and he gave a I great mean, performance. Yeah. And, uh, He's a cool guy in the movie. And I tell you, he's not a cool guy, certainly to begin with. Ben Affleck. Yeah, man, this piece of shit. He hates his daughter. He he hates his daughter. 
there's no other way to put it. He keeps shirking his responsibilities of child rearing, leaving it up to George Carlin, who's an alcoholic, by the way. Um, but they treat that in the movie like it's just a fun little character note. <laughs> it doesn't really affect anything. And yeah. he's constantly even, driving, so... <laughs> even when he first talks about it, he's sort of quite uh, in quite a chipper tone when he says he's mm. going to go to the bar. He says, I'm an alcoholic. And uh, no one sort of says or addresses it in any way. It's just like, no. yep, that's my dad. And then at no point does his drinking prove to be a problem. Yeah, it's a bit of a Chekhov's beer bottle or something, isn't it? Sort of Absolutely. A consequence attached to it. So that's that's going on. What the fuck happens in the rest of the movie? Um, uh, well, so after she grows that, up, she gets older. But more importantly, uh, he. So yeah, Ben Affleck. Uh, you, you did you describe him losing his job? Oh no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, See, yeah. That. That's great. That's uh, in an incredible scene. So Ben Affleck, who has been outsourcing the childcare entirely to his father George Carlin, eventually George Carlin says, "I'm really actually getting annoyed about all this," and uh, goes to work one day. He hasn't worked for about two weeks because he's been picking up so much slack behind Ben Affleck. And uh, Ben Affleck puts his child in the car and drives to his dad, who's. George Carlin, who's driving a you know a street sweeper, that's his job, with mm. the baby in tow and says, I appreciate it if you let me know when you're leaving the house so that I don't have to drive my child to you to give, to you know look after inside of this street sweeper. And George Carlin essentially says, fuck you. And Ben Affleck is forced to, for the first time since becoming a father, you know, confront the realities uh, of of such a set of circumstances, and he's got a big um, announcement involving Will Smith. It's this yeah. is, the movie's set in 1994 at this time, so Will Smith is uh, on the cusp of becoming movie star Will Smith. But um, Ben Affleck refuses to believe that Will Smith will have any capital beyond the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and is actually quite dismissive of him as a you know as an upcoming entity. Obviously, that's played for laughs because the movie was released in 2004, so the assumption is the audience knows that Ben Affleck's instincts are wrong and Will Smith is about to have a moment. Uh, but he's I'm so your summation. Please he's keep so, going. Well, he's so, uh, he's so sort of overwhelmed and tired and Jason Biggs, who's his kind of, he essentially is Jason Biggsing it up uh, as his assistant. Uh, it's like Will Smith, hasn't, he's at an event and there's 300 music journalists and all they want to see is Will Smith. I can't actually remember the specifics of what Will Smith is launching, but everyone's They're pretty excited. Bang for blood. What is he launching? I, I honestly... Fuck, what was it? It was he... Uh, is it an album? No. Is it a... He was a bit... I mean, I know that Independence oh, no. Day was about to come out. I think was it's it, about that, isn't it? Isn't it? It was like something to do with the release of the movie. Like there was a song that was getting released alongside the movie or something like that. Fuck, I, yeah, who knows? Um, something like that. It was something small that Ben Affleck... What's happening over there? Are you scaring through the film? I just... I, I want to play my favourite line of audio from the film. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, this is it here. Yeah, I... Hold on. That guy. Will someone please shut so, that girl up? Uh, amongst the 300 journalists bang for blood, Ben Affleck goes out to say, hey, Will Smith isn't here yet, but everyone, it's going to be okay. He's already 45 minutes late himself. So this is a huge snafu. And uh, it's just such a, that's such a constructed, like, they're all, 
all the music journalists appear to be they're one. Uh, they, they all are in perfect union. You know, they they are unity. They are all one funny, being. Yeah. They all uh, sort of make general hubbub at the same time. And then when Ben Affleck arrives, they all silence at exactly the same time. They all share an exact sense of humor. When the baby first appears on the side of stage crying, one of them says, is that DJ Jazzy Jeff? A pretty ordinary line that absolutely destroys, in a way, nothing I have written or improvised in my eight years as a performer could even dream of approaching. Um, It's like Unity and Rick and Morty. They're all a connected system of entities, these journalists. It's quite a terrifying concept when you think about it, especially because how quickly they turn on people. Like all it took was a guy being a little bit late and bringing a loud baby for them to throw the, their the lack of and empathy displayed yeah. by this body of journalists is incredible. So yeah, the the baby continues crying because it's a baby. What else is it going to do? And then that guy who delivers it like he barely lifts his eyes. He's looking at the ground off camera, just sort of as offhandedly as he can. Says, "Would someone please shut that baby up?" And uh, it's like it's the it, and honestly, that line belongs in Gili in the sense that it is the worst. It's incredible seeing the difference in performance of Ben Affleck between these two movies because I thought in Jersey Girl, he did a fine job. Like, I did not – I wasn't so frustrated by him. He was so wooden in Gili, you know? Yeah. And that yeah. that guy, that journalist who's very upset by a baby crying, he's the worst performer in Jersey Girl of, you know, the 51% of it I saw. Which is really saying something. Uh, is the what else happens in that movie? So the girl grows up. It kind of does a bit of a flash forward, and suddenly she's seven years seven. later. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, it's not seven years later. It says Gertrude seven years old or something as a time but, card. I remember seeing it and thinking that's a weird way to say that. Yeah, but from this we are to believe that it is seven year, seven human human years later. That's so weird that Kevin Smith wrote this. I forgot. I kind of didn't like connect that up. Wrote and, wrote and directed, yeah. I guess that makes sense. There's a lot of... All the uh, Will Smith stuff and the celebrity references is just bloody dripping with Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith comes back into the movie in a moment reminiscent of Charlie Sheen's cameo in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, wherein a... Oh, so we haven't even got to the bit, have we? Sorry. So the reason why Ben Affleck loses his job is he... Uh, it's not like a hot mic because I think he says it into the mic. He just kind of loses himself for a moment. He gets yeah. very annoyed and he's he says, um, you know, I don't know why you people even care. It's Will Smith. His career is going to be a, around uh, for less amount of time than the, it takes for the ink to dry on your shit rags that no one cares about anyway. And uh, so as a result, boom, he's out. He's out to club. He's lost his job and his whole career based on that outburst. Um, and then he actually like seems to be a bit happier <laughs> during this bit, uh, right at the start where he's got a, a bit more humility in his work and he is doing things like, um, what does he do? He works, I think, he with George Carlin and his yeah, buddies he's, in he's the construction sort of, sort of game. Yeah, and he... He uh, starts being a bit of like a an inspiration to local community members. I'm not sure 
the particulars of what, but he's, he sort of inspires them in some way. He, he finds Dude, purpose in his life beyond I'll tell you music what PR. I'll tell you what happens, because you may not have seen this bit, but he, I actually made a gif of it and put it on Twitter. He gives a speech in a town hall because they've got to shut down a road for like a week to work on it, and there's a town hall meeting. And Ben Affleck is actually, before the town hall meeting kicks off, in one of those hilarious you know, movie moments, he goes, hey, it's a, it's a street, it's three days. How angry could people be? Cut to the town hall meeting and George Carlin's line is, you were saying, which is real funny because if you pick apart like what that actually is, George Carlin's been sitting on that line for you know at least a day or two, and it How, just would come out of nowhere, and you'd be like, "Sorry, yeah. what?" He would have had to Excuse walk me. around with his son Ben Affleck, going ah ah ah. Every time either of them wanted to say something, he would have to hold the thought so him. that he could the context could remain relevant for him to say then, you were saying. And they're raising a baby together. Do you know how hard that would be? You got to coordinate a lot for that around dinner time and nappies. Yeah. Did they? Did they have some fun and games with the notion of this sort of two generations of single men uh, raising a, a young girl no. in the modern day? No. No, they don't. No. There's all there's sorts of, of capers, you know, at your disposal but there. This montage that they have is Ben Affleck taking the stage because he's like, "Hey, I used to." talk crap and music publicity maybe i could bring these people over and he does in a speech that kevin smith has not bothered to write so there's just a montage music players with him gesturing to the crowd and winning them over over the course of you know 18 seconds uh it's pretty lazy (laughs) yeah then it works it's it's, montages are so good but a montage of i mean the thing is that the actual action of what he's doing like this isn't to Kevin Smith's credit because this is sort of laziness on two counts as opposed to, well, fair enough, it didn't warrant a speech. But, like, it's of no consequence him finding his feet in that setting, right? Like, the real heart of the story is him. No, nah, no, nah, it kind of is. It kinda, this is why you got to watch the movie, guy. And I know you tried, but this is why you got to watch the movie because this is his awakening or his reawakening that he's like, i I got to get back in the game. This is my calling. This is what I'm all about. And so this kind of kicks off a sequence of events where he keeps applying for jobs and he's got this reputation now where he's the one who dissed the Will fresh Smith. prince of Bel Air and no one will hire him until eventually they do. And uh, all the while he's trying to raise his little girl. Did you see the bit but with the girl he does, where... He doesn't get comes? hired though. Yeah, yeah. I saw the, the them comparing uh, bodily parts and then Ben Affleck sort of sheepishly offers to give the bird and the bees speech and in the way it had been edited down into these small clips after that i actually after that i saw them at the movie store when he is with Liv tyler Liv tyler uh who's sort of quite a cool confident video store clerk uh um which is like this is trying to kevin to kevin smith's films right because he clerks was his his calling card absolutely so here's Liv Tyler's character. She works at the video store and she's a college student. I think she's 26, they say in the movie. And she's doing some research on uh, people's sexual habits. And so she, Ben Affleck goes in there and rents a porno uh, from the video shop, can you believe? Um, do you remember such a thing? And so she kind of goes, oh, do you mind if I ask you a few questions about the fact that you've just rented a 
a porno and he's like uh i guess <laughs> that's fine <laughs> and so she starts grilling him about stuff he actually he freaks out and he accidentally gets uh a movie featuring bisexual men and then that's he right. gets very embarrassed when he brings it to the counter and love tyler's like is this the movie you wanted and he's like no get me some lady stuff sexuality is a spectrum unless you're ben affleck in real life and as whatever character you're portraying you are never to come up even close to the line of having any curiosity in anything other than heteronormative sex and thems are the fucking rules so Liv tyler um chases him down at his oh that's right it comes out so she's like hey does your wife know you're renting porno da 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 and he never kind of corrects her and then the little girl uh comes up with her movie and Liv Tyler's like you know where's your mommy sort of thing and she's like oh my mum died during childbirth <laughs> and Liv Tyler's like oh no so then she actually chases down Ben Affleck at his house later and then they get a coffee where she's just asking him a whole bunch of questions about um, when the last his time sex, he had sex, his sex was. life. That's right. And he has not had sex since the death of his wife. Seven, seven years. And he's very embarrassed years. to say it. So Liv Tyler think, like, grabs, it, grabs him by the hand. Sorry, you go, guy. Well, I just think that it, that was good acting from Liv Tyler. Like, I, I really warmed to her in that scene, especially before that, before she finds out he hasn't had sex in seven years. Um. Her New Jersey accent isn't perfect. I will say that. And nowhere is it more apparent than that scene, that little tete-a-tete. Yeah, but she she says something where she says, I'm crushing on you now or something. I'm kind of crushing on you. What was that? What does he say to to warrant that reaction? Uh, He goes, um, fuck, I can't remember. It's something about the kind of fidelity with which he's treating the relationship, even though his... You know, ex-wife is... Do you say ex-wife? Yeah. His widow. His no, widower? No, yeah. No, he's a widower. His widow. Just his wife. Remember. Yeah. But anyway, when, when she finds wife. out he's in six and seven years, she says, well, we're going out of here and uh, leads him back towards either his or her house, I think his house, to... To uh, to buff. Know, burst the To burst the dam, to finally let that man have some coitus after seven long years of uh, solo no masturbation. Coitus. Two. You gotta you gotta get the coitus after the no coitus. You have a period of no coitus, then you get coitus in there. That's right. He's tired of masturbating to straight down the line penis and vagina. He doesn't give a shit though. Ben Affleck is very unmoved by this proposal. I feel like Liv yeah. Tyler is driving this boat. That's that's like one of the things which I think creates misconceptions about America and Americans is movies and moments in movies like this. When you're younger and you're watching them, you don't have such a you know an analytical mind. But it's like the characters take such big swings, you know, and people act normal in reaction to them, mm. and it creates like a warped sense of how the world is, you know, where yeah, you suddenly true. think if you walk around telling people you haven't had sex in seven years, they're going to be like, "Well, <laughs> don't worry about that. We're going to have sex right now." And uh, you know, in my experience, it's not. World- <laughs> The world would be a better or worse place if, if we acted more like that. Uh, I think better. If like I if think it was if, better on the whole, but there's a lot of there's a lot of high stakes room for error. I think with people taking big swings like that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. There's a huge you're increasing the margin for error by tenfold. But if the entire world is more like that, you know, if the entire world suddenly. Uh, starts 
treating treating sex with less uh not like not reverence, but you know, if it's like you know, because part of the terror of sex when you when you haven't had it and are learning about it is you know it's it's put on such a pedestal. It's the great unknown, and it just the longer you don't have it, the more importance it has. You've if got you to stop that putting pa- that pussy on a pedestal. That's exactly uh, right. That's um one of the characters from the Forty Year Old Virgin, as I recall. Yeah, that's what it was. I forgot. Uh, yeah, but anyway, he then they they go back to his house. This is what I've got from my gleaning, so just step in wherever I'm wrong. They are in the shower about to fall around when uh, young Gertie comes in, the daughter, and busts them. And then in a very funny comic turn, uh, the tables turn entirely. And uh, suddenly young Gertie's giving a birds and the bees talk to Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck. She says, what are your intentions with my dad? which is a speech that she's mirroring from Ben Affleck giving it moments ago to her after he walked in on these two curious little kids showing each other their bodies. What's going on out there? <laughs> is that a sore? So glad you asked, yeah. <laughs> this, What's um, happening? Well, uh, I'm staying at a friend's house, Kobe. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, there was a very torrential rain in Los Angeles a few days ago. And, yeah. Uh, there's like a built-in AC unit that's half in the half in the wall, half out the wall in the in the lounge, mm. and uh, during the torrential rain, some water had somehow found its way beneath the AC unit and leaked ah. into the house. So I said to right. Kobe, "Hey, just so you know, some water's leaked in here." And uh, Kobe said, "Oh, okay, that's no good. I'll tell my landlord." And he did, and I corresponded with the landlord, who assured me that yesterday afternoon, yeah, uh, someone would be around to fix up the exterior so that there wouldn't be any leaks given another torrential downpour. That's great. I sort of scheduled elements of my life accordingly, namely recording quite an audio-dependent podcast uh, yeah. on the Saturday morning. So, <laughs> No, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I like it. I like the sense of um, we're in the world, you know. There's some world-building elements going on. We've got context. We've got background. It's, it's pretty loud, so I feel for you. Yeah, my, yeah, it's 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 not quiet. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, Tim, you know I'm a huge advocate for hiring an objective professional licensed professional to tell my problems to 
so that when they tell me what they think, I know I'm getting it straight. That's where BetterHelp comes in. That's right. BetterHelp have a big pile of professionals to talk to at your convenience online. You've done a bit of therapy, right, Guy? I started doing therapy during, uh, there was a pandemic, I don't know if you remember, and the benefits were immediate and long-lasting. They help give you skills that you can use when you are in stressful or anxious situations. Honestly, it's changed my life for the better. I guess that's why they call it BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash all time today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all time. Um, but all, all of this to say, look, you know, Jersey Girl continues along from there. The Gertie very skillfully blackmails everything she wants out of her dad. Uh, whose desire to return to the working world of New York, York sort of begins to threaten their burgeoning connection to the point that his big job interview is scheduled for the same day as a dance recital that she appears to care about. She loves musicals, I guess. Yeah, it's more of a singing recital. Everyone wants to do Cats, and everyone does do Cats, except they do Sweeney Todd. Because Ben Affleck they- accidentally takes her to Sweeney Todd not knowing how violent it is. And then uh, ah. she does a scene from that featuring some of George Carlin's mates from the, you know, the shop. Yeah. The company. And Liv Tyler does like a really long performance in it, which I found fine, but weird. It's like, hey, man, this is the kid's gig. <laughs> this isn't for you. Get the fuck yeah. out of there. You're hogging the spotlight. But- yeah, pretty much the sort of the crown, the the sweet cameo and the crowning moment of the film is Ben Affleck has gone. He's had a blow up with young Gertie. He's gone to the job interview in New York on the day of the recital, and he's sitting in the waiting room. And he comes across none other than Will Smith, the very man who sunk his career unknowingly by being like, "Well, he did it to himself." Will Smith didn't do shit. Absolutely, but yeah, I mean, Will Smith doesn't know. He doesn't have any of this context that you know. This is how it had happened, and they just have uh, a heart to heart as two men, as fathers of children, and uh, that's all the that's all the the information Ben Affleck needs to say. I actually don't want to go to this job interview. Do you know what I want to do? I want to play around in the dirt with my daughter. And it's, thank you, Saw, I mean, punctuating that point. There's no moment a- where. Uh, Will Smith and Ben Affleck address that he's the guy. No, that's it. F- you've got to feel like that's you know, that's meant to be twee a conscious I it decision was that's meant to. I was waiting for that moment where he was like, "Aren't you the guy who called me a how massive Will impending Smith, failure?" How would Will Smith know about that though? Because it was famous. Everyone in the music industry knew about it. He keeps going to job interviews, and I they're like. That- Oh my god, you're that famous fucking dude. Plus, he was in a room of 300 journalists. You don't think they would have reported on that? Would have been a big story guy. You know, it's you used to read the yeah, entertainment yeah. mags. It would have made it I in know. there. But think about the trajectory of Will Smith's career between 1994 and 2004, wherein he has become such a star. You know, the news cycle isn't so dependent on tweets, and you know, uh, the internet isn't as prevalent in everyone's lives. Like, stories like that would come and go, much more likely. And people doubted Will Smith before in his career and would have continued to do so. I feel like for maybe the people who were in the room, the journalists, you know, that was a marquee event. That was something that's in their memories as unforgettable. It was huge, you know, this huge PR guy doing the most unthinkable PR gaffe. He freaked out. But 
beyond that, Will Smith wouldn't know nor care. No, I I totally disagree. I reckon he would. I don't think he'd care that much because Will Smith's a cool guy and he keeps his eye on the prize. But um, I think he'd definitely know about it. They treat that moment as like huge. Like, movie. It, there's some information I'd like to give which tie this movie to Gigli because Jersey Girl was released one year later mm-hmm. in 2004. And I think the reason that our Patreon pals wanted us to watch these movies together is because, you know, it's kind of remembered as this epic and unthinkable double box office bomb where a real life couple starred in two forthcoming movies together. And both of them were catastrophic. And if you're in the marketing department, that's your worst dream to know that Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez are in your movie coming out in 2004. And before they do that, they're in a movie in 2003, which is described as the worst movie of all time. Was that Gigli? Yeah. Was that first? Okay. Yes. And so what wound up happening is uh, there was a huge scramble from the team at Jersey Girl after the bomb that was Gigli, where they, they were like... Uh, oh, fuck, we can't market this as a Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez vehicle. And uh, this is, this is I, I've, I'm on the IMDb now, so this is uh, what I misremembered from earlier about the marketing materials and Jennifer Lopez dying quickly. So they removed all images of J-Lo from all promotional materials. <laughs> they pushed Holy back the shit. release date to create separation between Gigli and Jersey Girl. Oh, my word. And they publicly revealed before the movie that Jennifer Lopez's character dies within 15 minutes from childbirth. Shit. That is a full-blown panic attack. That is. It's ironically sort of mimicking the wild movements that Ben Affleck is making in his make-believe publicity career in the film. Absolutely. they're, They're all over the map with that one. Uh, good on them, though. Crisis and, but, management has got to be, as long as it's a movie and not something that actually matters, so fun. Although I guess everything matters when it's your job. But if but I, something like that happens, you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> we did not see this coming. Yeah. But it turns out the last movie of this twin set of releases is is legitimately <laughs> one of the worst pieces of art that's been released into the world so far. Um, we got to make some changes yeah, that's, that's the, the thing. Primos, man. I love it. You, you've got to think about, I mean, and I assume this is why we were told to watch these two movies. But People love J-Lo. They people love, love J-Lo. But think about Gigli. Think about, think about not just the fact that you watch that movie um, on a computer in your, uh, in your studio, but just the monumental disappointment that would be going to a movie with the two biggest movie stars in the world. And that whatever it was was what met you unrolling itself in front of you like Geely is just honestly one of the worst pieces of cinema let's rip into it it is let's let's open uh, the can what is it first of all what is it tell me what this movie is about what is it what happens in the uh, plot it's Ben Affleck plays a hitman named hitman named Larry (laughs) Geely pronounced uh, pronounced like really which he has to address. I mean, how can you name a movie? Just I'm change sure the name. Just change the it's, name of the film. If you got to do that much but, work for it, just ch- you you are allowed to change yeah. it. Just change the name. Absolutely. Uh, so he's a hitman who is sort of in the pocket of quite a lousy boss, 
uh, who's this? He's a, like seems like a sort of B grade mob boss, and uh, the B grade mob boss's actions are catching up with him, and he's freaking out. He's actually under prosecution right now by a district attorney or something like that. And so his panic attack is he he commissions his hitman Larry Gigli to kidnap the uh, sort of developmentally challenged younger brother of the district attorney oh, and hold him fuck. hostage. I did not connect those two things together. Oh my god! What did you watch? <laughs> I really watched it too, or at least I thought I did. Fuck, no, I know, but like I missed that. Bit I can't of connective ima- tissue. I mean, <laughs> even with that connective tissue, this movie was abysmal. But I can't I was... imagine what kept you tethered to the screen well, for two hours. It was just like there was a hitman who was Ben Affleck who kidnaps this guy, and then Jennifer Lopez, who's another assassin who comes to help out because Ben Affleck's doing such a dip bad job at his hitmaning. And I didn't really get that we no were bigger... told as an audience why it was him, but there was a reason, but it was being hidden from us. So <laughs> this is quite the revelation. I can't I just can't imagine that movie without knowing that because <laughs> what you wind up watching must have been so infuriating. You're like, why? It was pretty crazy, <laughs> but I just chalked it up to the fact that I'd heard so much about how bad Geely was. I was like, yeah, I'm sure this is just part of it. They're not very good storytellers. I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to like keep something a little bit secret and have it as a twist reveal at the end. That's all good. Hide a little bit of information, but uh, hide the sausage from the audience. Nice one. Tip of the hat yeah. to you filmmakers, but no, I just I've missed a couple lines at some but point. It must anyways, be. so the the thing is that all of this sort of mafioso hitman plotting is barely a construct around which the real meat and potatoes of the movie, the thing we're meant to care about, be invested in, which is the will they or won't they element of uh, J Lo and Ben Affleck. So uh, the B grade mob boss who's commissioned this kidnapping of the um, brother of the district attorney uh, does not trust Larry Gigli. He thinks he's a slightly incompetent hitman, so he gets another person in the form of J-Lo to keep an eye on him. So it's two hit people who uh, don't know one another, have no connection to one another, keeping an eye on each other because of how important it is that this negotiation tactic, which uh, the movie in itself kind of addresses later. Two tremendous cameos that come out of absolutely fucking nowhere. Very big. Chris Walken comes in early in the piece as a cop and immediately is acting so hard and so much better than those around him, it calls to attention just how bad what you're sitting through is. Like he walks into the room, it's like sitting through a really bad improv show or a play and you're like, oh my God, two hours of this? And then someone with something steps out and you think, yes, I hope this character sticks around for a very long time. Sadly Sadly not. Crystal Walken's cameo is reduced to playing the worst cop in the world who has motive and is like so close to being on the right trail of like cracking this case open, saving us all the embarrassment of sitting through the entire movie. He comes around. He essentially accuses Ben Affleck of having kidnapped the brother who he has. He is through one more door and he also this character the brother is revealed to have verbal Tourette's yet they do not 
like I, I feel like they tried to milk one early gag out of it when he kidnaps him, and then yeah. it is not returned to. No. But considering the stakes of the movie, you know, the idea of verbal Tourette's occurring when Christopher Walken is in the house, surely. That's your moment. If you're, if you're so certain that this kidnapping's taken place, look around. It's but he weird. just says. It's weird detective work to walk into someone's house and just give a speech. But not kind of check for the and then leave and then never follow up on the speech or the case again. Yeah, I mean Ben Affleck was so sloppy in the way he kidnapped this guy. He walked into his care facility, like took him, and just didn't didn't check him out or anything. Just like walked in, sort of you know talked to people, took him, and that was it. If Christopher Walken left that house and decided to go and check in at the care facility, say, hey, did anyone come here? He'd get a profile matching Ben Affleck's character and go back to the house and say, I know you did it. But apparently, Christopher Walken walked out of that apartment and immediately retired from the force. He said, I don't have it anymore. I can't chase these cases. My instincts are off. I'm off the team. He just took it. He handed in his own badge and gun. Absolutely. So then we're left with... Uh, this romantic comedy between Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez playing out in the company of, uh, as you observed, Doug from The Hangover. Doug from playing, The Hangover, folks. Playing someone who is differently abled for two hours. Yeah, and he doesn't do a great job, I would say that. <laughs> it's not good. Not good acting work. Man, it wasn't, uh, yeah, it wasn't a stunning performance. I'm actually going through some of my tweets um, from yesterday about it because I I live tweeted both movies actually, but I did a better job of keeping up with Gigli. One of the most disgusting oh, yeah, yeah. things I've seen in the history of cinema yeah. is the sex scene between Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck. Why is it so gross? Because I felt that as well. I I wanted to throw up, and I don't know. I was like Jennifer Lopez, absolutely gorgeous. Ben Affleck, very beautiful man. These are two sexy people having a sexy time. Why? Is filming it making me want to hurl? Because the the scripting and the performance that leads up to them having sex is quite disgusting. Like, there's one scene where Ben Affleck's character is hilarious in this entire movie. He is the most pig-headed piece of shit in the world. It is unbelievable. And Ben Affleck, I don't know what decision he made every day he got on set, but it seems to me like it was the decision to not try at all. Uh so it's a weird middle ground like a, though because he's very forceful with his not trying like he's going absolutely he's going big in the wrong direction it's it's weird it's really weird but he uh he so jennifer lopez he makes an advance one night she's staying at his house she's gonna sleep on the floor he says hey look very professional but if you want to sleep in my half of the bed because they're working together on this job now until it's completed mm. uh if you want to take my half of the bed no worries he hits on her she says i'm a lesbian and he goes oh okay um and then eventually the tension's ratcheting up between them and he sort of starts saying that the penis is perfect there's a huge disadvantage to being a lesbian which is you don't have the you know apex of biological evolution which is his dick and uh then there's a scene where jennifer lopez sort of pointedly explains the appeal of a vagina by equating it to a human mouth yes, while the mouth performing is the twin pretty sister. incredible. The mouth is the yeah. twin sister of the vagina. That's her incredible yoga. Mm. Uh, and Ben Affleck sort of absorbs this anyway. Eventually they're in the bedroom and you know, this is all 
this context is all ringing, you know, so loud in your mind because it's so recent. And uh, they kiss and then... Which is fucked because she's a lesbian. It's like the filmmakers don't really know what a lesbian is. Well, she's not. She's bi- She's bisexual, you know. I thought she was a I lesbian. She... And they're just bad no, no, at no, telling no. a story. I, I, I don't know. I think there was an element of her saying she... In that initial advance he makes, she says she's a lesbian to temper his expectations. Um... But anyway, well, that's they kiss, and then eventually <laughs> they make out, and he's bragged about how good he is at cunnilingus before. <laughs> after making out and sort of, you know, both of them detecting that things are going to advance, possibly to full-blown intercourse, Jennifer Lopez lays down upon the bed, opens her legs, gestures towards her vagina, and says, it's turkey time. <laughs> Gobble. <laughs> Gobble. <laughs> Fucking immortal. There are a few it lines is... in cinema that will be remembered for the ages. You shall not pass, shaken, not stirred, and it's turkey time. <laughs> gobble, gobble. You could carve them into stones and rest them in the earth for when the nuclear fallout takes us all from this mortal plane. I want those words to remain for any future species to discover. It's turkey time. Gobble, gobble. Yeah. After which you watch the sort of, you know, the soft... uh, it's not an explicit scene, you know. It's it's more like it's more emotive than uh, biological. But uh, the <laughs> they spend quite a long and lingering shot, sort of on Ben Affleck's wooden cum face. Mm. So he is in the throes of ecstasy, and the sort of forceful, not trying style of acting he's experimenting with for as long as this movie was shooting means that. You look into the cold, dead eyes of a man <laughs> who is simulating pleasure while his real-life partner and partner in the movie is having sex with him. It's a style um, of acting that I'd like to call thumbing it in after a friend of mine, Andy, he would he would use this term quite liberally at one point in his life. Thumbing it in was when... You did not have an erect penis, so you would use your thumb to thumb oh. your genitals into the genitals of your sexual partner. So thumbing it in oh. is when it's like, look, it's it's no good, but um, we're going to get it done. So that face that you've described, that that is the face of an actor thumbing it in. Oh, man. It, it, and sort of, it, it, honestly, I, I can't remember the time code, but even... If you can get onto Indian Netflix and click forward to the point at which they're <laughs> having sex. If you can get onto Indian Netflix, folks, that's the instruction. <laughs> uh, it is it is so good. There's another amazing bit where he, um, Jennifer Lopez sort of tells off this group of either school kids or bikies, maybe a combination of both, mm. uh, and sort of uh, manages to de-escalate what looks like quite a tense situation that Ben Affleck and his alpha dog character has created with these guys because they're playing music loudly at okay. an outdoor tuckeria. This was great. This is a great, great moment in the film. Ben Affleck gets a hot head. He's about to go and intervene and smash their stereo to bits. But Jennifer Lopez is like, hey, this is the kind of situation where we'd want to keep a low profile. But they start some shit anyway. There's a couple of insults that get hurled, and then Jennifer Lopez knows she's got to quieten this down. So she goes over there, 
and just starts talking at them about um, the kung fu that she knows. It's actually not kung fu. It's a different kind of martial art that she knows. It's like, it almost sounds like she's describing Kav McGrath or whatever that thing is called, that Israeli martial art. But anyway, she describes a situation where she knows a technique of um, jamming your thumb into someone's eye so that it liquefies, and then with your index finger, you very quickly snap into the socket, grab what's left, pull it out, and that removes your visual cortex from your brain using suction with the force of which you're grabbing the optic nerve. And by doing that, you forget what sight is <laughs> like you not only <laughs> can't see you anymore, don't just lose the ability to, yeah yeah <laughs> you lose the ability and, to remember what a sight is because what and a lot so, of people don't know is that all of your memories are embedded in your actual eyeballs well here's the thing man so i put this on twitter because i was live tweeting everything else and uh it started a lot of discussion i also i messaged <laughs> i messaged my wife um, who's a doctor? It's you know, it's pretty specialty field. I saw that. A general practitioner, but I said the Zoe, correspondence you shared was you said, well, yeah. What did you say to Zoe? I said, Zoe, if you rip someone's visual cortex out, would they lose their ability to remember visual memories? And do you think you could do that through ripping someone's eye out hard enough? And it, and it, she texts back saying, <laughs> "What, what are you up to?" to? <laughs> Which is fair. It's a fair question to that. Um, but anyway, this this started a uh, quite lively conversation on Twitter between some people, um, not least of which seem to be a few people who do neuro stuff. They know about the brain. And the consensus has been that, in fact, yes, um, if you remove the visual cortex, it is possible, and according to one guy, it has even happened in the past, where you would forget visual memories. Like you couldn't, you couldn't kind of access them in the same way but there is no way that that is connected in any way shape or form to the optic nerve or to the eye so they didn't completely fuck it up yeah that's pretty crazy yeah nearly but not quite nearly but not quite um but that so that in and of itself is an incredible scene but the topper the kicker the cherry on this perfect piece of cinema as Jennifer Lopez walks ahead like you've been dealt with, and then Ben Affleck, <laughs> as though he's had anything to do with it, st- yeah. stands up, puts his leather jacket on, walks past them. They have a laptop out for some reason. This movie is in 2003. I don't even know, unless they've got Windows Media Player, that you can do anything on a laptop in the wild. He picks up the laptop, says, cool laptop, and then snaps it over his knee and says, suckmydick.com and grabs his genitals and thrusts and walks away. Um, It is the funniest, coolest brag. (laughs) Smashing someone's computer and then saying, suckmydick.com. I would love to do that. I think it is so baller. Um, in fact, you know, what has happened in your upbringing, guy, that you think that's a cool thing to do? Well, it's just, it's like such a loose, his character the whole time is just like this loose grab bag of things that teenagers think are cool. Like, he does this speech where he's meant to sound like a tough guy, which it's honestly like someone uh, gave a bot, you know, uh, a handful of words to try and recreate a monologue from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. It's fucking and, uh, wild. It is so dumb. He's just like, just I'm like, the original f- 
fucking gangsters gangster and it goes on for about a half a minute he's just you want to be a gangster get down on your knees and look upon the pearls that emanate from my awesomeness but like all of all of his character traits are like are like this they're like i just think his character is so his character is so funny it's honestly like a 13 it's like someone was like a 13 year old boy who desperately wanted to be cool can you please create a character can you please it's the homer simpson of cars of characters <laughs> the homer simpson car of characters that's a pretty good description it's what you think you want in a character if you don't know anything about movies yes i still i don't know man this whole movie is so it's so crazy and so fucked Shelley's really a wild ride and i would actually recommend people watch it it's so hard to get though i had to buy a vpn and then rent it from youtube while pretending i was i think in america man youtube did you have to did you have to use an American credit card? How did I pull that off? I don't know. I think it let me use my my New Zealand issued credit card, which is good. Amazon didn't let me do that because I did. But using an American VPN, yeah. I I'm in America and I couldn't get it on a New Zealand credit card. But that's American Amazon. VPN. You got folks. Listen to Tim and Guy. You gotta you gotta try and get it off YouTube. Maybe like you pay for it on YouTube. I was it's I a, was on real thing. I was on YouTube. Oh, and that wasn't both working. YouTube and yeah, both YouTube and Amazon were like, unless you're using an American credit card, even if you're in America, you oh, cannot rent the these fuck? movies. Oh, then I, I don't yeah. know. Well, yeah, look. India Netflix have it, <laughs> so get on that, folks. And uh, it's well worth the trip. What else to say about Gili though? There's a, there is a lot in it. It's a very long oh. movie. Well, it's, so yeah, I think there's not just a cameo from Christopher Walken. I think the, the the most important thing that must be addressed mm. is uh, there is another cameo in this film. This is the best uh, bit comes of the film, undeniably. Much later in the piece, in the form of a ponytail swinging, wig wearing, gun toting Al Pacino, fish loving, apartment dwelling. The, he's the boss to the B grade mafia boss. He's, so he's the real big fish. Yeah, he's the he's Ben Affleck's mega boss, and. Uh, He's sort of he's loosely channeling his character from any given Sunday. Like he gives like one of those sort of gravel voiced, uh, you know, high energy speeches. Um, it's just the whole. It's all against the pep talk. He's talking about thumbs for it's a very not... long time. Talks about thumbs for about a minute, and then shoots a guy clean in the head who has his underling. And the pecking order it goes: Al Pacino, the underling, and then Jennifer Lopez, and Ben Affleck are kind of at the same tier at the bottom of that pyramid. So Al Pacino in a moment of really showing everyone in the room who's boss, boom, puts a bullet right. He actually, this is kind of a cool line. He says, hey, you want to go to med school? And the guy goes, med school? Boom, puts a bullet in him. And he goes, yeah, those students, they need to learn from from like, you know, cadavers. I can't remember the exact line, but that's the, the you know, cut and thrust of it. This is kind of fucking yeah. cool. You shouldn't go shooting people, folks. God, I can't recommend that no. strongly enough to just not do that. But Al Pacino does but, it, and it's cool because it's in a movie, yeah. and he's a gangster. And yeah. then I think, there's brain matter that falls into the fish tank, and there's a close-up shot of these exotic fish eating this guy's brains. And then the kind of speech goes on, this this dialogue, duologue between he and mainly Jennifer Lawrence, while this guy's just dead, bleeding next to them. 
which uh, for all the other bad bits of this film, this scene I actually kind of liked. It's got a it's got a lot of cool shit going on. Yeah, it uh, mainly Al Pacino. He's the cool shit. It's oh no, oh no, what's happened? Ugh. I've spilt a juice. Oh, we're, no. Look, we're, this, this is a big spill. God, my God. I gotta get, I've got to get a, I've got to get a cloth. You, I, oh, so you're wrapping no. up the podcast recording of a movie you saw mainly in clips because some juice got spilled. No. This feels like an appropriate end. I saw all of Gigli. <laughs> I have a lot of hot takes. If you want a rough idea of how bad Gigli is, they literally had to take one of the biggest movie stars in the world, Jennifer Lopez, off of a movie poster because it was so bad they thought that her property was toxic. If you want to know how bad the movie is, Jennifer Lopez, one of the top 20 most famous people in the world, they publicly released information that her character in the next movie dies within 15 minutes so you don't have to worry about her and Ben Affleck acting against each other. That is a movie worth watching. I've really got to get a cloth. Where was that passion? I'm going to end the podcast on this guy, and it's the tweet that I sent at the end of my live Twitter experience watching these two films. Well, get it out fucking fast because the, the, the juice is spreading. Well, I, I, can do, to the, I can do this, but I'm you tethered go, to the computer. Go get a cloth. So in conclusion, Gigli, it's a movie. The IPCC informs us the ocean will start to take our species back out of existence within 40 years. I think this is well justified. And as sad as it is to kiss goodbye to all of human progress, it's been a hell of a ride. Um, Can I say fuck you to all the Patreon people who voted this in? Uh, You are a unique brand of evil. We will see you in the next one of these. Thank you. Good night. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.